Good morning, CWC. Awesome. Well, it's good to see you. So look, what I typically do, I was thinking about what I typically do with you guys is, you know, I say, hey, how y'all doing? Right? And if you're good, shout, I'm good. Right? That's typically the way we open up our time together. But, you know, I realized something. I had a revelation of something uh, that I actually had it wrong all along. Because one of the beautiful truths about being a Christian is, is this, that it actually doesn't matter if I'm doing good. It actually doesn't matter if you're doing good. It actually doesn't matter that if we feel good and all the circumstances in our life is good because we serve a good God. Amen. We serve a good God and we need a revelation of his goodness because sometimes this life ain't too good and the things we deal with isn't very good either. So instead of me saying, if you're good, shout, I'm good. I'm going to say, if you guys have a revelation of how good God is, someone shout, God is good. Amen. Amen. But man, we serve a good God. You know, we serve a righteous and perfect king. And our king's name is Jesus. Let's just be very clear who we serve and what we are about. See, we make it very easy for everybody when they walk in. It's all about Jesus. Come on, tell your neighbor, it's all about Jesus. See, church, we we must understand this. We have to have a revelation that this life is truly all about Jesus. It's all about him. That literally everything that we do on this earth should point to him. Everything we do should draw us closer to him because it's it's all about him. And, And do you know what I've found about Jesus that is so incredible? Here's what I've found. That even our mistakes, even our mistakes are opportunities. Hear me, this is why Jesus says this, keep with the spirit of repentance so that you bear the fruit of repentance. What he's saying is, even your mistakes will be opportunities that God will use for his glory. What a beautiful truth that is. It is quite amazing, actually. Because literally every time in my life when I find myself making mistakes, where I find there is sin in my life, the moment I repent of that sin and I turn to him, God will, will use my sin to show others his power to forgive. He will show his power how he, he can take what the enemy meant for harm and use it for my good. Why? Because God is always good. Because he's always good. And, and my point in saying all, all of that is to simply say this. Everything. Someone shout everything. everything. Everything in this life. It's all about Jesus. Every bit of it. Now we complicate it. But at the end of the day, it's all about him. Tell your neighbor it's all about Jesus. Tell him it's all about Jesus. Tell him. <clears throat> So look, this past Tuesday night, right, we had another school board meeting that we, we had to go, that we had to go to. And, and let me just say this before I go any further, man. I just want to say thank you to everybody who came out to that and stood with us to, to fight for our religious freedoms and for the religious freedoms of our children and our children's children and our children's children. Amen. That's the reason that we're doing it. And, and hear me. Yeah, you can clap about it. It's good. It's good. Religious freedom is great. But this is such an important fight that we're in right now. We're right in the midst of it right now. 
And listen to me, church, we must be a people who are willing to fight for the rights of other people to be able to follow Jesus in the way that they are called to follow Jesus, in the way that they are called to express their belief and their trust in him. We got to stand and fight for that right. And so don't get it twisted. It's a very important fight that we're in and we cannot grow weary in doing good for in due season, the Bible promised we will reap a harvest. Amen. So we can't grow weary. But anyway, we had the school board meeting this past Tuesday night, and, and I had to, to speak again at it, which, can I just say this? I take no pleasure in whatsoever. Like, like I literally hate doing it. I, I do. I hate doing it. However, I know when God has spoken to me clearly. I, I know the voice of the Lord. And so when God told me, you got to go and fight and speak, that's, that's what I did <clears throat> both times. And so had to go speak at the meeting. And when I was there speaking, I simply spoke about who Jesus is. See, I'm a pastor, so that's what I do. I speak about Jesus. At least I sound, I hope, intelligent when I speak about that. I don't want to speak about things I don't have that much revelation of. I won't even say information, revelation of. And so I was speaking about who Jesus is. And as I was speaking, right, a lot of people on the board that I was speaking to, quite a few of them were looking at me like I had two heads. Like I'm dead serious. Like I was speaking a foreign language and nobody was picking up on it. Like it was like, <laughs> and, and maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, pastor, why does that shock you? Well, I'll tell you why it shocks me. Because at the last board meeting that we were at, a gentleman stood up in the room and they said this, he said this, he made this statement, all of the Christians in the room stand up, right? And so literally everybody in the auditorium stood up and almost everybody on the stage, on the school board, they, they stood up as well, most of them. And so what that told me was very simply is that they've given their lives to Jesus, it told me that these people knew Jesus. It told me they go to church and it told me they believed in the word of God or at least at the very least claimed that they knew the word of God. And so when I was speaking about who Jesus is, I expected them to know who I was speaking about, okay? But, but I could tell by the spirit that what I was saying was brand new news to some of them. That was brand new news that they had never heard of the Jesus that I was speaking about. Which then got me thinking about other people. It got me thinking about other people who claim to know Jesus. Other people who would identify themselves as, as Christians. Right? It actually got me thinking about other pastors and our pastors teaching their congregation the biblical picture of Jesus. Are they painting an accurate picture of the king? Are they painting an accurate picture? Or are they teaching their, their people that, that Jesus is just all about them? Listen to me. Jesus is all about you so that you make your life all about him. You, you hear me? That's why it's all about him. But, but, but are they teaching them? That Jesus is all about them. So it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter the choices they make. It doesn't matter what they align their lives with because it's okay because God is for them. And so it's fine. It's fine however that they, they live. I started thinking about churches who are teaching this false doctrine that Jesus came to bring world peace. Because this is the narrative going around American churches. 
that Jesus has come so that everybody could just get along and so that there would be peace across the earth, which is very simply just not true. It's actually quite the opposite, matter of fact. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 through 36, this is him speaking directly to his disciples. And he says this, do not think that I came to bring peace to the earth. Like what? Don't think I came to bring peace. Don't think that I came to bring unity in the earth. I brought unity to the body, to those who have given their lives to me, those who are sold out for me, those who have surrendered their lives to me. To them, I've brought unity to make them a part of one body. But I didn't bring unity to the earth. I didn't come so that everybody could get along. You know, to to be honest with you, I think a lot of churches have demoted Jesus to some beauty pageant contestant. Like he's running for Miss America or Miss Universe or something. Like Jesus is here to bring world peace and save the dolphins and, and, you know, promote climate change. Like that's not the biblical picture of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the scriptures throughout tell us exactly who Jesus is. And in Matthew 10, Jesus says, don't think that I came to bring peace on the earth. Don't think I did that. I didn't come to bring peace. I came with a sword. I came with a sword. Verse 35, he goes on to say this, for I came to turn a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be the members of his own household. Their enemies will be the members in their own communities. This is, this is Jesus speaking. See, hear me. The enemy has gotten us to believe this lie that if we want to be Christ-like, we've got to be passive and submissive. That's what he's gotten us to believe. That if we want to be good little Christians, we need to shut up and sit down and mind our place. That if we want to be good little Christians, then we need to go along with whatever everyone else is going along with. Just fall in line. This is what he's gotten us to believe. See, see the enemy has gotten us to believe the wrong information about who Jesus is. So now we have the wrong information about how we are to live. That's what happened in the church. We think we can't say anything or fight against or push back against anyone. We think we're just supposed to be submissive and obey whatever the government decides to say and whatever the government decides to do. We're just just supposed to obey it because we're, we're Christians. Even though our government promotes all kinds of different evil things in the earth, things like abortion, things like sexual perversion, almost everything in American government today is promoting ungodliness. I mean, you can just look and see. I mean, you ain't got to look much either. You ain't got to do a lot of research. You can just see it. But yet there's so many churches across the country who are conforming their beliefs, their religious beliefs around what the government says. Man, how sad and scary. Even though the Bible says very clearly, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
But yet so many people who would identify themselves as Christians are conforming and molding their Christian beliefs around what a government says is okay. Wow. And hear me, church, hear me. As a Christ follower, you don't have the luxury of conforming your beliefs to the government. You don't have the right to do that. Did you know you've been bought and paid for with a price? Your life is no longer your own, it's his. So he tells us what we do. He tells us where we go. He tells us what's right and what's wrong, not the government. As a Christ follower, I don't have the luxury of just shutting up and sitting down and just letting things play out the way it it plays out. No, 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 I don't have the luxury. Now, look, am I saying that we are supposed to be disobedient to to the laws of the land? that's, that's That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm very simply saying is this. If a government or any other leader tells you to do something that goes against your faith or tries to stop you from doing something that practices your faith, then you you have to disobey them and obey him. You have to. It's not even a close call. Like It's not even something to maul over or think about. It's, no, wait a minute. No, no, God says. That's what I do because God said it. I don't care what the government says to me. I don't care what a lawyer says to me. God said for me to live this way. And we actually see a a, a picture of this portrayed in Acts chapter 4. I mean, explicitly for us in the scriptures. See, it's in Acts chapter 4 that the disciples are preaching Jesus in their communities. They are teaching people to put their full trust in Jesus, their full belief in Jesus. They're practicing their religious beliefs in public, and everybody knows it. But the government didn't like it. And so they arrest Peter and John, which would have been the leaders. So they arrest them first. They take them in. They begin to question them and they tell them, they charge them. They say, stop speaking the name of Jesus or we will arrest you. We will beat you. We will imprison you. And do you know what Peter and John say? I love what they say. They actually respond with a question of their own. They said, so you tell us, is it right for us to obey you or to obey God? For, for we cannot stop speaking about the one we know. We can't, we can't stop doing it. See, hear me. No matter what a government says or a leader may mandate against our Christian beliefs, we cannot stop speaking about the one we know. We cannot stop living by faith and not by sight. That is God's commandment on our life. And if a mandate would happen to come down that goes against it, then we must fight against what the government is saying, period. And continue to live our lives for Jesus no matter the cost, no matter the friction that it will cause. No matter what. Also in Matthew chapter 10, what Jesus is not saying, because we'll read that where it says, you know, mother against mother against daughter and daughter against mother and, and those things. And I think it's important for us to draw our attention to it because I could just hear a teenage daughter later saying to her parents, like, Pastor Keith told me to stand against you. I'm in love with this man and you can't tell me nothing. You know what I mean? Like, no, hear me. I'm not saying that. If your mom and dad don't like the guy, get rid of him. Amen. Mom and dad knows best. Believe that. Okay. 
<clears throat> amen. And all the dads said, amen. <laughs> but what I am saying very simply is, is this. When someone in your family or in our community tries to get us to stop practicing our beliefs and what we know what God is calling us to do, then we stand against them. We can't obey them. We have to obey him. We have to. We have to be a people who are willing to stand and fight for our rights to serve our king. We can't just go along with whatever the, the, the talking head of the day says just to keep the peace. We can't, we can't afford to do that. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth. I came to bring a sword. He's saying, he's saying this, I came to separate the righteous from the unrighteous. He says, I come to separate the believer from the non-believer. I came to separate the sheep from the goats. I came to separate the wheat from the chaff. This is why I brought a sword. To separate. He says, I brought a sword so I could draw a line in the sand. That either you are for me or you're against me. That there's no middle ground when it comes to serving the king. None. There's zero middle ground. See, the problem in the church nowadays is that people can't tell if we're living for Jesus or not. They can't tell if we are good people or God's people. And hear me, these are two very different things. Very different things. The di difference between good people and God's people, you want me to tell you the major difference? Heaven and hell. Those are the two major differences, heaven and hell. That's how serious it is to live for God. What's at stake is heaven and hell. And Jesus said, look, I came to differentiate between the two groups. That's what I came to do. I came to divide it. I came to separate it so that there, there's no one that can mistake it. That they're either for me or they're against me. It's that simple. There's no middle ground. See, the church nowadays, we, the days we find ourselves in, we've got to be a people willing to take a stand for the one we believe in. We have to. And like I said last week, and I'll say it again this week because the Lord said it to me again. The days are upon us where the church can no longer remain neutral. That's over. Us just sitting by and letting things play out the way it plays out is over now. It's finished. The days that the church can just sit down and shut up is, is over. And hear me, things are about to get even more uncomfortable for those of us who are hungry for Jesus. The enemy's gonna make sure of it. You know, I was <clears throat> reading stuff on Facebook, which by the way, remind me never to do that. I'm telling you, I had to spend an hour and a half speaking in the Holy Ghost just to not rip somebody's throat out. But anyway, listen, I'm still working my salvation out with fear and trembling. But, <clears throat> but yeah, I was reading on Facebook and I, and I seen some of these posts and people were saying things like, you know, uh, people in the church should leave their beliefs inside the church. I don't know how many times I've seen that and read that, right? Well, hear me, hear me. Here's the problem with that. I'll tell you the problem with that is one day you'll stand before the king. You will. You will specifically stand before the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And on that day, he will either say one of two things to you. It's not gonna be multiple things. It's gonna be one of two things. This is what the Bible teaches you. It's gonna be one of two things. 
He's gonna either say this, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, you fought the good fight. You ran the race. Now enter into my eternal rest. Or he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because you were ashamed of me before the world. I am ashamed of you before my father. So depart from me. I never knew you. These are the two things that, that we'll have to stand before God. And this is what God will say to us. One of these two things. One day we'll stand right before Jesus. We'll give an account of how we stood for him, how we lived our lives for him, how we believed him in the world that we find ourselves in. We'll give an account for it. We just will. And he'll ask us on that day, what did you do to make your life all about me? What did you do? How did you show others your belief in me? See, listen to me. We've got to remember, hear me and hear me good. We have to remember Jesus is the king. He's not a president and he's not a prime minister. So he's not politicking for your vote. He's not asking for your feedback. He's not asking for your input. He is commanding your full surrender. That's it. This is who he is. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is commanding us to be obedient to the word of God. Period. That's what he's commanding. He is demanding our full devotion to his will and his way. And there's no in between. That's it. That's it. And what's funny to me, and I don't mean like ha-ha funny where it makes me laugh, but funny because it's incredibly sad. Incredibly sad. It's funny that this message right here is unheard of in the church nowadays. It's funny to me that people in the church would think this message is just too harsh, that this message is just too radical, but yet this is what the scriptures teach you. Go and read it. This is the word of God because he is the king. So it's all about him. See, because he is the creator of all things, he has the right to command us on how we are to live for him. That's his right, not ours. It's his. And listen, because this is how he calls us to live and this is the life he's calling us into if we wanna give our lives to him and hear, well done, my good and faithful. Because of that, I was asking God, I was like, man, Lord, how do we do this? Like, how in the world can we live a life sold out like this for you? How is this, how is this even possible? How can we, we live such a bold life unapologetically and uncompromising. Like, how do we do it, Lord? And the Lord said to me clearly, he said, by revelation, not information. You'll live for me in this type of a way because you've had a revelation of me, not because you got some information about me. And you know, I started thinking about the, the age that we live in right now. Right, the times that we find ourselves in as a people. And how the age we live in, they call it the information age, right? I've heard several people refer to it as that, the information age. Because there's information about everything and anything at our very fingertips all the time. Like it's just right here. Man, this is my timer, by the way. <laughs> See, I got you guys on my heart. I love you. I'm gonna get done. I'm gonna wrap this up for you. But it, it's, it's right here at our fingertips, Information about anything and everything. I mean, my goodness, listen, you can go on YouTube and you can find the information 
in order to rebuild a car motor. Like I was looking at this stuff, I'm like, wow, I could learn to rebuild a car motor. Not that I want to, but <laughs> listen, if you want to remodel because you think you're DIY or DIY, whatever, right? You're like Chip and Joanne and you want to redo your whole bathroom, right? Like you're the second coming of Chip and Joanne and you decide, I want to retile my bathroom. Man, you go into YouTube, type it right in and the information will pop right up for you to be able to retile your bathroom. If you want a bunch of information about a, sing, a, a certain person, you can, again, grab your phone, hop on Google or Bing, whatever search engine, and begin to type in the person's name, hit search, and boom, boom, it'll just fill a page of information about people. I've heard people say, Google me. If you want to know about me, Google me. It's like, a, I guess, something that makes you sound cool. But <clears throat> So you can literally Google and find out all this information about people. And listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's, all, that it's all bad. Matter of fact, some of it's really good and some of it's very helpful. However, what I am saying is information in and of itself can present to us a real clear and present danger. Information in and of itself isn't enough. See, what YouTube doesn't tell you and doesn't reveal to you is that sometimes, I've talked to mechanics, I don't know this, I've talked to mechanics, but... <laughs> Sometimes, as you're rebuilding the car motor, issues arise that YouTube didn't tell you nothing about. What are you going to do then? Because you're just operating off of information. You have no revelation because you've never done it. So you ain't got a clue. You're just trying to read a script and follow it. And when you go to YouTube on how to tile a bathroom, it'll give you the information on how to tile. But if you know anything about construction then you know the information in and of itself isn't enough because construction never goes as planned, ever, ever. I was in it for a long time. The information doesn't always prepare you for the issues that arise during construction because construction doesn't always follow the information. It just doesn't. And if we are only relying on the information YouTube provides us, then we'll end up with a revelation in the middle of the construction that says, yeah, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to call somebody to come and finish it. And man, if we just rely on Google to give us the information about a person because we're trying to find out who they are and we just rely on that information, we'll have a, a very inaccurate picture of who the person is. You see, Google doesn't provide for you what this person has been through. It doesn't provide for you the family that they've come from. It hasn't provided, don't provide for you the obstacles they've had to overcome in their life to get to where they, where they are currently. If we just rely on Google, we will have a revelation that the information that Google gave us formed an inaccurate picture of the person we're trying to find out about. Because information in and of itself isn't enough. This is why we must have a revelation. Come on, tell your neighbor, I need a revelation. And so I was thinking, right, I was thinking about that, and I started to think about the Apostle Paul. See, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was the artist formerly known as Saul, right? And when he was Saul, this man had a ton of information about God. A ton. By his own admission, he tells us that he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, that he was from the tribe of Benjamin, that he was a Hebrew among Hebrews, 
And he said, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, the most strictest sect of Judaism there was. They were, they were the strictest. In other words, what he was trying to say was this. He had all the information that one needed to serve God. He knew he had to go and, be, and, and have a circumcision performed on his foreskin. Why? Because that's the way God said the information he had in the law of God in order to be in covenant with God. So he did it. That was the information at hand. It also says that he was one of the 12 tribes of Israel, which told us that he was a part of the people of God, the chosen people of God, the Jewish people. It says that he was a Pharisee, which, which means this, that he knew the law of God really, really well. He had all the information about God. Matter of fact, it means, it means this. He would have been trained as a very young boy, as a little boy, Old enough to walk, he'd have been trained in the scriptures. He had to know the word of God. So he had a bunch of information about God. Matter of fact, because he was a Pharisee, it tells us this, that he had to memorize the Torah or the Pentateuch, which means Penta is five, which means the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Most likely, Paul, Saul, would have been able to quote from memory Every word written in the first five books of the Bible. Think about that. That blows my mind. He had to memorize all of it in order to be a Pharisee. This man had all the information he needed to serve God. Every bit of it. He had all the information that one could ask for when it came to serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew all the stories. He knew all the testimonies. He remembered everything that God had done for the people of Israel. He knew every bit of it. However, because he only had information and he didn't have a revelation, he found himself in direct opposition to the God he served. Direct opposition. And when we first see him burst onto the scene in scriptures, it's in Acts chapter seven. And what's happening in the, in the story is, is this, that Stephen, who was a man of God, was preaching about Jesus. But this was against the law that the government had passed down. See, the leaders had made a mandate. They issued a mandate. Anyone who spoke in the name of Jesus had to be arrested or had to be killed. Anyone practicing their religious beliefs would have to pay for it. But Stephen would not conform to this world because he had been transformed by the renewing of his mind because of the revelation that he had about Jesus. And so in Acts chapter 7, what happens is this, this man Saul, who had all the information about God, had Stephen, a man of God, killed, stoned to death. The Bible says that after Saul had Stephen killed, he went around and began to ravage the church. That he went from door to door, kicking down doors in every household that served Jesus. And he would drag away all the men and all the women. It won't matter what gender you are either. It won't matter. He's dragging away all of them who spoke about Jesus. Saw this man with all the information about God. Finds himself in direct opposition to God. And if we jump from Acts chapter 7 over to Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1, this is what it says. Now Saul, still breathing murderous threats against the church, went to the high priest and asked for letters 
from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to Christ, whether men or women, he might bring them in shackles to Jerusalem. He's wanting to arrest all of them. You got to get the picture. He's literally not staying in one spot. Instead, he's traveling around the countryside, arresting everyone who believed in Jesus, anyone who called on the name of Jesus. And then he goes on to verse three. Now, as he was traveling, talking about Saul, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city and it will be told to you what you must go and do for me. Verse nine says, and for three days, Saul was without eyesight and he neither ate nor drank. Verse 10, now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas of a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many people about this man, how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem. And, and here he has the authority from the chief priest to arrest everyone and anyone who calls on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to, pay, to bear my name before the Gentiles and before the kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him much that he must suffer on my behalf. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying his hands on him, he said to him, Brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like fish scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized and he took food and was strengthened. And I love this verse 20. And immediately... He began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the only son of God. This is actually very incredible. So, so, so think about what all, and I just read a lot very quickly. I get it. But I couldn't leave out any of it because all of it explained what, what the Lord was trying to reveal to us. He had all the information needed. Saul had it all about God, but didn't know God at all. Had the information, but didn't know him. But the moment he had a revelation, everything in his life changed forever. See, the information could not bring about the transformation that Saul needed. Couldn't do it. But as soon as he had a revelation, now come on somebody. As soon as he had a revelation about who Jesus was, he went from Saul to the apostle Paul. He went from a man who was in direct opposition to God, to a man being constantly used by God. The moment that he had a revelation, he went from a man that was worried about the laws of man to a man consumed by the fire of God. See, this is the difference between having information and revelation. The moment he had a revelation of who Jesus was, he went from a man arresting and killing 
Everyone and anyone who spoke about Jesus to a man telling everyone he met about Jesus. It's incredible. The moment he had a revelation, the moment the revelation took place, he went from stopping the miracles of God to becoming a miracle of God. See, the story shows us very clearly that information cannot compare to revelation. It shows us that information in and of itself isn't enough. We have to have a revelation. A revelation of the king that we serve. See, we need a revelation of Jesus so that no matter what the government says or the government does, it won't matter because we've had a revelation and our boldness will be just like Peter, John, Stephen, that you can do whatever you want to do, but I'm gonna stand for my king. I'm gonna stand for my religious beliefs. See, see, we need a revelation so that we do not conform to this world, but instead we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. This only takes place through revelation. We, we need a revelation so that we have an accurate picture of the king. You know, one of the things I said at the board meeting on Tuesday, and this is what I talked about, having a revelation of who Jesus was. But, but you know, we, we all like the picture of Jesus in Sunday school rooms with blue, blue eyes and blonde hair with a lamb wrapped around his neck. But it's, it's not an accurate picture. It's an information that is false. It's not, it's not an accurate picture. But the Bible gives an accurate picture of who he is. See, the picture of Jesus who has eyes of fire and hair like wool. The picture of him riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, with a sword coming out of his mouth, striking down all who oppose him. That's an accurate picture. The the Jesus with a robe that's dipped in blood, with a tattoo on his thigh that reads King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's the accurate picture. He came with a sword to separate He came to separate God's people from good people. He came to separate those who will stand for him and those who will just shut up and sit down and let the government mold them whatever way they feel like molding them. He came to separate them. He came to separate God's people from worldly people. This is why he came with a sword. He came so that we could walk boldly before him in the, in the face of any trial and any tribulation. Bold in our beliefs of who he is. This is why we have to have more than information. We've got to have a revelation because without it, we won't be able to stand. There's no way. See, what God showed me on that Tuesday, on that Tuesday night was that, see, a lot of people have a lot of information about God, but a lot of people need a revelation about God. They might have read the stories. They may have heard the stories. They may have been in church since they were little kids. But information in and of itself isn't enough. Hear me. You need a revelation. You need a revelation. God is preparing his church. He's preparing his people for the end times. I promise you. I'm telling you, whether you believe it or not, God's preparing his church for the end times. Am I saying we'll see it? No, but what I am saying, I have no idea because no one knows the times or the epochs except the father who set it by his own time and his own dates. 
But what I am saying, he's preparing us so that we can begin to raise our children on how to stand, how to fight, how to be strong, how to not roll over and play dead in the face of of trial and tribulation. That's what he's training us to do right now. See, he's calling us to not conform to this world, but to be completely transformed by the renewing of our minds through revelation. Doesn't happen through information. And what God showed me was that, yeah, there's a lot of people with a lot of information, but very few with a lot of revelation. Listen to me. The government that we find ourselves under in in America at at this exact time is trying to remove Jesus from every aspect of life. It just is what it is. I mean, it's just the truth. This is why our faith must arise so that the enemy will be scattered. God has put us And he's anointed us for such a time as this right now. You are put here on purpose during this time. We could have been born a long time ago and not dealt with any of this. But no, no, no. God said, no, no, you're here now because I want your faith to arise. I want your faith to arise so that that your faith will cause the enemy to scatter. And we've got to rise to the occasion as the church. Listen to me, if we can't stand for our religious beliefs and religious freedoms during COVID-19 mandates, please, we'll never make it through tribulation. We'll never make it. Right now, they're threatening jobs. They're threatening your job. Then they'll threaten your head. They won't even play games with you. They'll threaten your whole family. We'll kill all of you. Like this, this, is, this is what the Bible teaches us. And I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. However, we can't just walk blindly through life and not understand what actually is coming according to the scriptures. Like we could bury our head in the sand and act like nothing's going on when it is all around us. And man, we got to set ourselves up that we're going to be strong and courageous because God's commanded us because we've received a full revelation of who Jesus is, a revelation of his goodness, a revelation that because he is for us, nothing and no one can stand against us, a revelation that there are more for us than those who are against us. Amen. We must have a revelation, church. And it all starts with understanding that it's, this life is all about Jesus, like every bit of it. And that's why every single day I lay on my face before him. God, I need more of a revelation of who you are. Jesus, I can't make it through the day without more of you today than I had of you yesterday. This is my prayer every day. I hit my face cry out before God, God, I need more of a revelation today. I have to have it so that I walk bold in who you've called me to be. And listen to me, I believe this morning, and I believe this morning that God wants to pour out a fresh revelation of who he is and who he's called us to be. I believe that without a shadow of a doubt. And I believe that just like when Ananias laid his hands on Saul, Saul went from Saul to the apostle Paul and all of a sudden he regained his sight And he was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And now he had a revelation of who Jesus was. I believe that's going to take place here today. And so many lives. See, the Bible says this. We receive not because we ask not. We receive not because we ask not. If we desire to have a revelation of who Jesus is, we got to lay before before him and ask him, give us a revelation, Jesus. So that I can see you high and lifted up in all of your glory and all of your splendor. So I can see you. Come on and stand to your feet, please. So 
So I'm gonna open up the altars for a little bit here this morning because I really feel like God wants to, to meet us right where we are. But I, do, I did feel like that the Lord wants us to step out of where we are and that he'll touch us in that place. And I'm believing today that many people are gonna have a fresh revelation of Jesus, a brand new revelation. I'm believing it. Because hear me without it, I'm not gonna make it. This is why Jesus says, when I return to the earth, will I find any faith? Will I find any? It's a serious question that needs a serious answer. And so today we're gonna open the altars and man, if you want a fresh revelation, come and pray and I'm gonna believe with you and for you that God is gonna fill you with something that you never thought possible, that the fire of God is gonna wreck your life and you'll never be the same. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that by the Spirit, Lord, you would begin to draw your people, that you would begin to reveal yourself to your people, that even now, God, as people begin to, to come to the altar to prepare their hearts to be touched by you, I pray you would comfort them and you would strengthen them as there's this feeling, I don't know if I wanna step out, I don't know, man, people might look, Lord, that all that would pass away And the only thing that would remain that they want to be close to you, that they want to know you, I pray that you would strengthen them right now to come to you in a brand new way. Holy Spirit, draw people. Draw people. Give a brand new revelation today. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Come on, worship team. The altar's open.